Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Proverbs 30, 1 through 4. The words of Agor, son of Jacob, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? What is his son's name? Surely you know. Luke 2, 6 through 14. And it happened in their being there that the days of her bearing were fulfilled, and she gave birth to her firstborn, Son, And she wrapped him up and laid him down in a barn, because there was no place for them in the lodging room. And there were shepherds in the same region, living outside and taking turns keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they feared a great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I announce to you good news of great joy, which shall be to all the people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this is the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped up and lying in a barn. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the army of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men of his good pleasure. The New Testament Gospels present Christmas to us heralded by a sign, a sign that announces and marks the event given by the angel to tell us about God's character. A sign in the scriptures means a miracle with meaning. When people say, show us a sign, they're saying, show us a miracle, but not just something flashy, a miracle that shows meaning to us about God, that gives us an understanding about God, something substantiating what God is doing. And this is how the angel is using it here. He says, I'm giving you a sign. But to get the sign, understand the sign, we had to retranslate that familiar scripture to you and kind of take out the word manger because manger is a word that we use once a year and uh, it's been baptized by about 2,000 years of Christmas carols. So we really don't know what a manger is. But the word in Greek is fatne, the Greek word fatne. And if you see the way fatne is used, you find it's enclosed it's a, an enclosure 
uh, for horses or animals besides a, re a residence. Sometimes it's used that way. Sometimes a fatne is just a stall for some animal. Sometimes it's not even that. It's a feeding trough. Maybe there was something overhead. Maybe not. That's the different ways that it's used. So if you are a mother who's recently had a child, this is your nightmare. I doubt there was much of a golden glow attending this birth. Because when you have a baby, you want clean, but this was not anything, uh, anything clean. And that's why I use the word barn. Angels in their signs say you're going to find this baby in a barn. I'm kind of being optimistic <laughs> in saying barn, but, you know, I don't want to overstate the case. And the, the sentence is very simple, actually, so simple that translators try to kind of beef it up a little so it sounds better than what the angels say the sign is. But it's actually, they use... Uh, Present participle meaning, meaning having been wrapped up. You'll find this baby having been wrapped up, wrapped up, lying in a barn. And before this sentence comes the buildup to what this sign means, right? In these verses that Patty read so beautifully there, verse 10 and 11. What we're talking about is the coming of the Savior, the long-awaited event and what is the miracle with meaning? What is the sign of this event? You'll find a baby wrapped up, lying in a barn. Now think about this. This is the event of the coming of the Savior. This is the coming of the long-awaited son of David to again reign. This is the answer to the promise given to Abraham that he would be the heir of the nations in Romans 4. This is the, the moment that people have looked forward to for thousands of years and looked back upon for thousands of years. This is the chronological point around which all of creation is focused. This is the center of history. And what is the sign You'll find a baby wrapped up, lying in a barn. Why is that the sign of Christmas? And why is it at that, in verse 13, the armies of heaven suddenly break out into praise? You notice that before these befuddled shepherds there is suddenly no longer just one angel, which apparently was frightening enough, but rather an uncountable multitude of angels suddenly before them. When those words are uttered, immediately there's this growing rumble until the sky breaks open and this multitude, this volume of praises of the armies of heaven ruptures the space-time continuum. And these rather underpaid minimum wage shepherds find themselves staring into a rip in the sky 
into the other dimension. Because the sky itself cannot contain the erupting praise at these words. You'll find a baby wrapped up, lying in a barn. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and of knowledge of God. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor? Who has first given to him that he might be repaid? No. For from him and through him and to him are all things. And for him is the glory. What does this tell you, friends, about God? What does it tell you about the character of the one with whom you have to do? What does he like to do? Well, I think we are told in the other scripture reading that we heard from Agur, that prophecy that James read, a prophecy delivered like the prophecy that Josh was reading a thousand years before this event. Who has ascended and come down? Who's gathered the wind in his fist? Who has wrapped up waters in a garment? Who's established all the ends of the earth? What's his name? What is his son's name? Surely you know. Who has ascended and descended? The earth became God's footstool in the person of Jesus Christ. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it can't be done. One Christmas, I took my children. I had four young children. We went out, and I said, okay, everyone, who can gather the wind in his fists? It was a day not unlike this day this past week when the wind was just horrific blowing. And so I, I, took, I took the kids out, and I said, who, has, who can gather the wind in his fists? They went out, and they all scattered to the winds to grab the grabbed the wind in their fist. They came back to show me. I said, let me see. Have you done it? And they opened their hand. It's like, it wasn't there. <laughs> I mean, the air was there, but not the wind. The wind, the unstoppable, the uncontainable. What Hagar is asking is the impossible. It cannot be done. And yet, the Holy Spirit of God, the very wind of God, was gathered into the tiny fist of the baby Jesus, the Christ, who has gathered up waters in a garment. Again, something that can't be done. Or as, as God poignantly demands of Job, who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. The uncontainable was contained in the swaddling clothes of Jesus the Christ. Who has established the ends of the earth? You know, the ends of the earth is a, a phrase that's used throughout the Hebrew Bible to mean the farthest points you could go to, the farthest places you could possibly travel to. And, you know, that word established, I don't think it's talking about creation. I think it's talking about bringing them together. That's never used except in this place with that phrase. Who has grabbed the ends of the earth to bring together? Who has been able to take all of the different places you could go to 
and be in one place. Again, something that's impossible. Impossible to do. And yet that which has been, that is impossible to do, has been done here. You'll find a baby wrapped up, lying in a barn. What is his name? What is his son's name? Surely you know, says Agar. Agar tells us that this gives him, verse 3 of, of Proverbs 30, the knowledge of the Holy One. This gives us the knowledge of God. This tells us about the character of the Lord. So the Savior has come. How are you going to announce it? Maybe announce it when he's presented to Israel, when he starts his ministry, or maybe, you know, at least this is at his bar mitzvah or something. But why at his birth? Well, the angels tell us why in the scripture that Patty read. In verse 11, the Savior is God. One of the places in the New Testament where Jesus Christ is called God. The Savior is God. God with us. With us, God. God has come. And this, apparently is a fundamental upon which the universe is built. It is God's way to limit himself in order to love us. This is the feat that God would, would somehow be contained, that somehow he would fold himself up. He would go into contortions, the kind of contortions that Eva Pesnell likes to do fold themselves up into some incredible position, squeezing out the, the divine majesty like a wrung-out rag just to reach you. You know, I used, uh, when I was an undergraduate at college, I volunteered for this job where I was ushering for a graduation. And... Um, you know, graduation time at colleges is always this human interest story. There's always a lot of things going on. There's a lot of drama. It's actually a terrible job being an usher at a graduation. But I took this job to help my friend. And I remember all of, these, all of this chaos going on around me as an usher. But I, there was one moment that I, time sort of stood still because I saw this one scene. And uh, it was this, this picture of this man. There was a man standing there. Was really, he was very tall very distinguished-looking man. And he was dressed beautifully. He had this magnificent suit on. And he was standing there in the midst of all his chaos. It was outside graduation. And, and I, I looked down, and I had a very long arm. At the end of his arm was a hand, and that hand was connected to another hand. And that little hand was, was connected to a little child. And the, and the little child was having a hard time. He was fussing. He didn't know if he wanted to go this way. He didn't want to go that way. It was, it was hot outside. It just was not doing well. And so here we have this very distinguished gentleman with this little, little kid uh, on his arm. Couldn't, couldn't be consoled. And I watched about what was going to happen because it was kind of an embarrassing. It was like causing a big stir, causing, causing a big ruckus. And I watched him, this very distinguished man, he just started to go down, and he lowered himself, and he lowered himself, and he lowered himself, and he, 
He wouldn't address the child until he was right there at the eye level of the kid. And then he said, it was some foreign language. I didn't understand (laughs) what he said. But he was looking at him dead in the eye, and and he said something, and the child was at peace. And I remember looking at that, you know, years before I would ever consider getting married or having children. But I remember looking at that man, looking at that scene, and I said to myself, in my heart, I said, now there's a father. There's a father. You want to know what God is like? It's this. Some of you here, you don't know about this church thing, but you happen to be here tonight because it's Christmas, and you're wondering what God is like. Once in a while, you're curious, and you're like, I wonder what God is like. You want to know what God is like? It's this. This is the sign that tells us the character of God, that he has done whatever it took to fold himself and contort himself into a box in order to reach you. You'll find a baby wrapped up, lying in a barn. That's the kind of stuff that he likes to do. What does that mean for us? Just give me two things that that means for us. Here and now, looking back 2,000 years, 2,000 years later. It means, friends, that you come to this God and you have the comfort of one who secures his people. As we, as we heard from the angels that Patty read, he came to bring peace to those of God's good pleasure to those who come to be his people. He brings peace. What peace? Well, not just from drinking warm eggnog, but peace between God and people, establishing that which gives us entrance to the comfort that comes from God. So that whatever it is that is going on, the trumpet sounds and we know that God will limit himself in order to bring us peace. You know, the Jewish scholar, Claude Montefiore, he once did a study. He said, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish, but I'm going to look at the New Testament. I'm going I'm to look at what Jesus taught that's actually new. Because he was noticing that in the New Testament, a lot of things that Jesus taught actually have precedence in the Hebrew Scriptures. A lot of things are related. A lot of things refer back to Hebrew scripture. So Claude Montefiore went, went into this study. He said, I'm going to find out what's actually new in what Jesus teaches. And you know what he found? Like by his judgment and by his estimation, he looked at all these different scriptures that were being quoted or referred to or alluded to. He said, you know, there isn't a lot new actually that Jesus is saying, except, except, said Claude Montefiore, one thing. There's one thing that he said, this is as a Jew, that he could not find that Jesus was saying in his teaching was absolutely new. You know what it was? It was the picture and the teaching of the divine shepherd going out into the wilderness to seek the lost sheep. That to him was new. That, friends, is the message of, of Christmas, that he did what was necessary to reach you if he did this. 
Is there a place now to which you can go where he cannot reach you? Some of you have made a mess, but you're feeling it. And you're saying, like, this is too much. Where I've gotten myself to now, I don't know how exactly I got here, but where I am now, he can't get me here. Is that true? Christmas says no. If he did this, if he gathered, if he is the wind gathered in the fist, then there is no place that you can get to where he cannot reach you, where he has not already been to reach you. Because he will limit himself. This is what he does. <laughs> I do not know why. In order to reach you, in order to get to where you are, the God of all comfort. Think on this to celebrate Christmas well. And the second thing I would exhort you to is allow this truth to shape your life. What this means is that Christians are different. Christians have a motto. Because as the apostle said in 1 John 4, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It means that the Christian motto is, is the opposite of the United States Army. Right? You know the motto of the United States Army, right? Be all that you can be. Christian motto is kind of the opposite. It is, don't be all that you can be. Actually, be what's needed in the situation. Be ready, be willing, because of your God, to limit yourself in the situations in which you are. Don't be all that you can be. Limit yourselves. It might, it might mean limiting yourself in time. It might mean spending amounts of time on things that you consider kind of worthless or beneath you and to do it joyfully. The temptation for the Son of God was to ask, is this really necessary? But we see this limiting principle in Jesus' life again and again just by the way that he lived his life and the what he calls us to as well. When you might be asking, is this really necessary to do? In conversation, maybe it means not saying all that you could say, but actually limiting yourself in conversation. Maybe instead of asking, what can I say, you're asking yourself, what is needed here? Limiting your own work so that you can turn around and spend time teaching others to do the needed things that you do. Helping others. Because, you know, that's a leader. A leader is someone who stops long enough to turn around and help others with their stuff. If you think about it, Jesus could have, could have gotten a lot more done in his ministry if he hadn't taken so much time with these 12 guys explaining and re-explaining and debating with them about what real greatness is. Again, the God who limits himself, starting out as a baby wrapped up, lying in a barn. Let us take these words in and celebrate Christmas well this year. Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father.
this idiosyncrasy of our God, the Most High. We take it in, Lord. Let us be moved to worship by this vision of how you are. And let us walk differently because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.